Hello and welcome to Meet the Education Researcher. This is a podcast from the Faculty of Education, Monash University in Melbourne, Australia. Hello and welcome back. Today we're talking about environmental education and how schools are tackling issues of sustainability and climate change. I caught up with Professor Lizzie Rushton from the University of Stirling in Scotland to talk about her long-running research in this area. From nationwide surveys of teacher experiences and attitudes towards teaching climate change and sustainability, through to working with young people to co-produce a manifesto for climate education policy. Lizzie has recently moved to Stirling from London. So I started by asking her what different forms of sustainability and climate education are currently being put in place in the various UK education systems. I think it is really interesting working in the UK because you've got different approaches in England, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland, whilst at the same time working um, geographically alongside one another. So in England, um, in the autumn of 2023, we have got a new um, strategy being implemented, which is led by the Department for Education, which integrates a new Climate Leaders Award for education settings, so not limited to schools, which aims to kind of recognise and celebrate the work that students do in developing as they frame it green skills championing nature working towards sustainable futures that's a kind of um, extracurricular initiative and mm. then another part of that strategy is an interesting idea of a, a national education nature park where again young people are really focusing on the kind of the nature element to to resource and with skills and resources to map monitor enhance the biodiversity of their, of their settings um, and that's then mapped. Um, and so then you can see this this virtual nature park, really, because we're not actually connecting these school sites up, but you can see it on a map. So that's very much focusing on, um, yes, the school settings and other educational settings, but not so much changes to the curriculum. No. Um, so that's one approach in England. But Scotland, Wales have taken slightly different approaches. Scotland has um, learning for sustainability, which has been a policy that's in, been in place for a decade or more that brings together education for global citizenship, outdoor learning and children's rights and sustainable development education. And that's very much a policy that requires that all learners have an entitlement to learning for sustainability. And that's also integrated since about 2013 into teachers' um, professional standards um, and school leader standards. So it's thinking about it in in terms of that entitlement for learners through, through the curriculum um, and similar in Wales, their new curriculum, Curriculum for Wales, um, that has a, an emphasis on ensuring that students are kind of self-aware citizens that engage with challenges and opportunities that face humanity and are able to take considered and ethical action. So, yes, we're geographically very close, but there are differences in approach across those four jurisdictions. I mean, that all sounds really kind of positive. But I mean, how contentious an issue is climate change and sustainability teaching still seem to be? And I'm thinking about other politicised elements of schooling and how some elements of schooling that you think are non-contentious have suddenly become a bit more of a contentious issue, particularly I'm thinking about right-wing forays over, you know, teaching critical race theory, non-Western history, gender, sexuality, relationship. So is climate change and sustainability similarly placed under a hostile lens from, from some quarters? I think so. I think particularly when the emphasis is on climate activism and seeing activism through demonstration or protest. And mm. we have been in um, in England new kind of laws and, and legislation around that limit the ability to protest quite severely. And 
that has actually very much been driven by the Just Stop Oil movement and and uh, and challenges around that. And so that places an additional layer of complexity and challenge for teachers when in one sense they're being told, look, the purpose of education is to equip young people for their future lives. And actually democracy is about dialogue and legal protest, but actually teachers then are, are really, especially in England, where there are extremely um, foregrounded well, there's a real emphasis on political impartiality and a yeah. depoliticization of climate change because the emphasis is on teaching the scientific facts of climate change, not equipping young people to engage in dialogue and, and exercise their democratic rights to the extent that in some cases, teachers are, you know, being spoken to by their head teachers and saying, well, actually, let's really think about whether it's appropriate to write to our local MP and ask for climate action. And that for me is really concerning if we, if we're not encouraging young people to understand and engage with their democratic rights. No, absolutely. And and the other thing, it's interesting that you mentioned, I mean, teachers' preparedness and actually willingness to engage in climate change topics themselves has, has actually been a topic of a, a recent survey that you did with colleagues in London. Um, 870 teachers, a survey. What does climate change sustainability education have to do with me? Which is a really provocative question. I mean, what were the main things that you're interested in exploring in this survey? That survey really wanted to explore the experiences and practices of teachers in England related to climate change and sustainability, particularly focusing on schools. I mean, the key findings focused on three areas, so professional development, curriculum and outdoor learning. And there were some very interesting um, interesting findings there. So less than 13% of those who responded reported that their initial teacher education phase included climate change and sustainability. And that was particularly worrying because a, a majority of our respondents were geography and science teachers. So you would really think that they would have had that in their experience. And the sample included people across um, the whole range of their careers. So this is clearly something that's been quite a long-standing issue. In terms of the um, curriculum, there was a real call for um, the national curriculum to feature climate change and sustainability more strongly. So teachers really would like that to be present and also opportunities for interdisciplinary learning, particularly in the secondary phase. As we move into the secondary phase, the emphasis on subjects can silo learning. And so teachers who engaged with the survey very much saw climate change as that interdisciplinary uh, topic and, and so wanted that for the curriculum, but re recognised the challenges. And then in terms of the outdoor learning, the survey, again, kind of concerningly, really, because um, science geography teachers were, were the majority of respondents, um, talked about outdoor settings actually being quite infrequently used um, mm. but, but there was that widespread recognition of the potential of those settings so looking at that um, positively it's about the support the resource and the time to, to take to implement those approaches and, and and linking back to our early part of our conversation about Scotland you know, the emphasis on outdoor learning through learning for sustainability in Scotland is really significant that's a really positive part of teachers practice so and perhaps there's some further opportunities from cross for cross jurisdiction um, learning there. Absolutely, and you say there were some concerning findings. But as someone who's worked in this area for some time, was it actually surprising, or was it kind of depressingly predictable? Is this what you would have thought you would have found? Or was there anything that you found that was actually a bit of a shock, a bit of a surprise? Um, I think I think it was in the main predictable. I think one of the things that was really interesting was the level of being self-taught that the most frequently reported type of learning in relation to climate change and sustainability was self-taught. And in one way, that's that's really positive and indicative of, of teachers who are professionals who continually want to improve their learning and their own their own practice. But 
but that is a limiter um, if that's the only way of of developing um, professional learning. So again, another opportunity. But I was yeah, I was quite surprised about the extent to which um, self taught was reported, and 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 of course there are, there is a plethora of resources and support available for teachers. So actually navigating that is is quite challenging, um, mm. and I think perhaps that's a real. Um, contribution that research can make is um, supporting practice to be able to identify you know, effective approaches uh, and, and to navigate the, the wealth of materials that are out there. Yeah, so teachers are not just doing it by themselves, I guess. But I mean, this is clearly an area that calls out for policy attention. And you've mentioned some policy moves in Scotland and England and Wales. Are there any policy agendas elsewhere in the world? I mean, policy thinking that's actually kind of quite forward thinking, far reaching, ambitious. Yeah, I mean, I think I would return to some of the ideas and the thinking that young people and teachers have shared in relation to policy development. So at the um, end of 2021, to coincide with COP26, we published with the support of the British Educational Research Association a manifesto that brought together teachers and teacher educators and young people from across the UK to um, share their vision for education for environmental um, sustainability. And I think that contains some really interesting ideas around the policy change that's needed. So, you know, in its simplest terms, ensuring that climate change and sustainability education is, is something that is genuinely available to all young people and that there isn't serendipity about whether there's a teacher who's passionate about that in their classroom or the subject choice um, that they make. And I think that's led me to think a little bit more about how do we develop teacher agency in the context of climate change and sustainability education. So, I'd like to see policy action that really resources education in a range of settings. So absolutely schools, but also um, in the community setting that really speaks to the the needs and opportunities of local contexts. And I think in in Scotland, there is that emphasis on outdoor learning and the benefits that that brings to children and young people through their lives, as well as ideas of global citizenship. And I think those are really important in the context of the climate and nature emergency and there's definitely more to be done in Scotland in relation to, I think, the policies there is then how do we actually ensure that that's integrated into practice? Um, and I think in some ways the, the outdoor learning element has been really successful, but I think there's still um, work to do to to really meaningfully equip teachers because the same issues of, you know, um, accountability in relation to exams, resourcing, the, the same kind of in social inequalities still exist. Um, they haven't gone away, but at least there's a policy environment that um, expects that entitlement for for all young people. Yeah, and you you recently published an analysis, a really interesting analysis of English government sustainability and climate change policy, and then compared it with the views of youth teachers and teachers. So when you talk about climate emergency, that's really interesting language to think about because I think you would in that paper you were arguing that a lot of the policy is actually driven by less politically charged concerns. Yeah, absolutely. So that was taking the ideas from the manifesto and absolutely comparing that to the strategy that's been implemented this autumn by the Department of Education. It's, it's unfortunately not a policy, so it's 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 not in that sense um, statutory, um, but it is a significant intervention by policymakers in England after quite a long time of being quite quiet in, in that arena. So in that sense, it's to be welcomed. But yeah, absolutely. A real concern about the depoliticisation of climate change um, and sustainability. Thinking about it very much as a topic um, where you need to learn about the, the geographical, the scientific facts, and that will um, be a driver to reducing um, young people's um, climate anxiety. If they know more, 
then they'll feel less worried. And on the surface, that sounds logical, but we know from from lots and lots of research that that has been done by education researchers over many, many years that actually knowing more um, is not sufficient, that actually it's about that knowing and then knowing to act um, and equipping young people with the capabilities. So and the young people are very, very clear about that. And I think that's where some of the anxiety is rooted because young people absolutely know what they need and they know that the education in in many ways is not equipping them and so that drives that anxiety and that those feelings of disempowerment so yeah absolutely we need to really think about curriculum change and unfortunately we're not in the space at the moment in England where that's looking likely. Yeah I mean you said in that report I think it gives the appearance of doing something whilst failing to address the fundamental policy problems. I was just thinking if you were the Minister for Education or the Secretary of State, what policy agendas would you be pushing for? Yeah, well, I mean, one simple thing would be a really uh, would be a curriculum review that would actually meaningfully include um, young people and teachers in ways that they, they often aren't included. And you can see some of the work that's been done by Teach the Future, a youth-led group in England working with the um, Labour Party. Um, they put forward a, a, a climate um, education bill, which I think has some really strong um, elements to it. But I think policy action around the curriculum really needs to support the education sector to think about what are the core parts of the curriculum and how do we sequence those to actually ensure that all of the disciplinary knowledge that we need is included in in terms of climate change and, and sustainability education. So thinking about that in an integrated way and that would mean a shift in the way that we we learn in schools um and it, it, i think it might need to roll back a little bit the emphasis on the amount of curriculum that's in the system because that's one of the real challenges even for teachers who are really wanting to bring about climate change and sustainability into the into their practice it's very very hard at the moment to fit it in um because there's so much there so i think it's a th- thinking about how can we change the curriculum so there's more of an interdisciplinary emphasis and so there, there is the time um, and but also the support for teachers um, and that's and that support that's about meaningful professional learning not only resources that they can then take off the shelf and put into their classroom and, and that, again that's a bit of a shift in how we think about teachers and thinking about teachers as curriculum makers not as deliverers of curriculum that's created by someone else so a complete overhaul of everything that education's been no no i think it's really important to say these things and i think the idea of overloading the curriculum and overloading teachers is really important financial literacy digital literacy climate change everything gets piled onto school so we do need to rethink the system i just wanted to finish on a couple of broader sidebar questions um i'm not a teacher i've never been a teacher but i'm an education researcher a lot of education researchers are ex-teachers. And I've got this pet theory that it shapes people's academic careers. So English, ex-English teachers tend to do very different things to ex-science. Now, you're a geography teacher or we're a geography teacher. And I was just wondering, what does the geography teacher professional identity bring to the way that you approach education research? Is there a kind of geography teacher imagination? I think I'm still very much rooted in the in an academic identity as a geographer. Mm as opposed to a geography teacher. So my PhD studies were very much in geography. Um, they're focused on human environment interactions over time in Belize in Central America. And I still keep a foot in that kind of research world. And for me, becoming a geography teacher after completing my PhD was so in part that I could continue to be embedded in my subject and, and continue to be a geographer. And I think that has shaped my researchers. In, in terms of the move into education. So I'm exploring ideas about teacher agency and drawing on 
the geographical concept of space, thinking about Doreen Massey's work mm. and how that can complement ideas of teacher education through the ecological approach, which is being led by my colleague Mark Priestley um, at Sterling. So for me, thinking about education with that spatial lens helps explore teaching and teachers, curriculum making, ideas of inequalities and justice that reflect the different spaces in which we work that you know are multiple, they're non-linear. Um, um, and so, yeah, my geographical grounding definitely permeates my thinking about education. So I'd describe myself as a geographer, yeah, rather than a geography teacher. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really important distinction. But I always find geography and human geography, the kind of the angles that are taken by in those sorts of literatures, really, really interesting. There's a kind of connectedness and, as you say, spatial awareness that I think gives it an extra edge. I guess my final question then is, given that background and all the stuff, you, and you've moved recently to Sterling, what's on the horizon? Is there anything that you're just beginning to think about might turn up as your next big thing for the next five years or 10 years? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm really interested in ideas of teacher agency and teacher identity. Um, I have been for a while and trying to make more explicit connections with those bodies of research in the context of climate change and sustainability education. And I think Teacher agency is a really useful, uh, especially the ecological approach, is a really useful conceptual or heuristic because it's not thinking about the individual capacity of a teacher. It's thinking about what are the resources, the conditions, the structures that those teachers are working in that enable them to achieve agency or constrain their agency. And so thinking about that as a way to think about how do we ensure that every young person and child experiences or engages with effective climate change education I think teacher agency is, is a critical part of that and then mixing that into the pot with the spatial dimension you know what, what do the different contexts and spaces in which we work bring to that experience of agency and how can we support um, teachers to take experiences of agency from one context to another so how can we leverage those experiences of agency to bring them into other parts of practice which perhaps at that point are more challenging so yeah, lots of um, mulling around that um, and thinking about really about the structures and the resources and the conditions that the education education system needs to have to allow teachers to achieve agency rather than that kind of how do we develop and train and monitor yeah. teachers. Agency is something that you do rather than something that you have. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a verb. Exactly. That's really interesting, but also really important work. And I'm sure that will keep you going for at least five years. So, I mean, Best of luck with that. Thanks ever so much for taking the time to have a chat. That's been super interesting. Thanks ever so much, Lizzie. Thank you, Neil.